Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, we're in the middle of a series that's called uh, Inside Out, and what we're actually doing is we're uh, just doing a study in the book of Ephesians, and we're taking uh, some of the more powerful, just life-changing verses out of that book of the Bible and just kind of unpacking them together. And uh, the reason for uh, Inside Out is, is that when you dig into this book and, and uh, start kind of taking the pieces out, you begin to discover that really what Ephesians uh, says overall is this, there are some things that need to happen on the inside of us, that when we figure this out and when we allow what God has done and what Jesus has done on our behalf to take root on the inside, it will naturally begin to express itself on the outside. It will change us uh, right before ourselves. So, inside out. So we're doing that for the next few weeks. It's a little bit different feel, but we're just simply unpacking uh, this book of Ephesians together. Before we dig in today, because I believe what we're talking about today, if we can get it, if this thing can settle in our hearts, uh, you and I will leave this room deeply and forever changed. Uh, but before we get there, um, uh, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that we did a series uh, talking about money. And at the end of that, uh, we gave kind of a 60-day uh, challenge uh, to one another. But my staff came back and said, Lynn, I'm not sure everybody got it. I'm not, I'm not sure everybody understands what we said for the 60-day challenge. So I'm going to explain one more time <laughs> what that was just in case you're in the room, didn't uh, catch it. We simply said during that series, look, when you become a follower of Christ, when you get serious about following Him, God's going to say, look, following me means obeying me, which all sorts of stuff. I'm going to obey Scripture. My life's going to change. And Jesus said one of the things that's going to happen in that process is, is that you're going to begin to acknowledge that everything you have ultimately belongs to God. And part of figuring that out is, is that God is going to say, hey, look, I want a tenth back. I, I want you to give one dollar for every ten. I want you to tithe just to let everybody know, to let yourself know it belongs to me. And so we just came to the end and said, look, we get that's, that's a terrifying proposition. That's scary for all of us. Chances are we've heard that before. Chances are for most of us we've been challenged in this way before. And here's what we said in that moment. Look, I can't. I mean, where my finances are, I'd like to, but where my finances are right now, where I am, I can't. And here's what we said in that moment. So I'll try to pay down some bills. I'll try to move some stuff around so that eventually, sometime in the future, this will make sense, and I'll be able to do this. Problem is, you don't ever get there. You never get to the moment that this proposition is not terrifying. You never get to the moment you go, man, I've got so much money that giving that to God, I'd never miss it. You just don't. It, it, that moment never comes. And if you and I wait till this makes sense or till it's easy, we'll never get there. So we said this, look, in Scripture, God says, test me on this issue. Just try me. Try giving to me and find out if I'm faithful in return. Try testing whether or not you can do something and that I wouldn't, in response to that, take care of you. And God says, test me in this. So we said, what would happen if you and I tested God in the tithe? What if for 60 days we just said, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Now, you better show up. You better be true to your word. And if he's not, then you can quit. But God said, test me. So that was the 60-day challenge. I get that there are some people in the room who'd still say, Lynn, I, man, I, I can't. I, I just can't get my head there. I can't get my heart there. I can't get it. Okay. 
wouldn't we at least do something? I mean, I mean, wouldn't we at least try to take a step toward obedience? So I'm just going to ask you, to, if you're one of those people who says, look, I, I can't, I can't get myself there. What if your family gave $20 a week more than you give now? It'd be a step, right? It'd be a step. What if, what if the single people in the room said, look, I'll, I'll just give $10 a week more than I give now? It'd be a step. And, and what if we just simply did that for 60 days and figured out whether or not God was faithful in our lives and if God took care of us or if God let us down? What, what if we simply did that? So all I'm at, that, that was the 60-day challenge. That's what it is. You do with it whatever you're going to do with it. But there it is so that we all know. And so we're on the 60-day challenge. But here's what I'm going to do want to ask you to do. If you take the challenge, if you go forward, you say, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to wait for you to be faithful, would you either do it through your bill pay, through your bank, or would you go online at cschandler.com and sign up for it to be automatically withdrawn? Because then you'll know for the next 60 days at least, you'll be consistent. So would you do that? There it is. You do with what you want. So grab your Bibles. We're going to jump into Ephesians together into a passage that I think has the opportunity to change our hearts today. Here's the question we're going to tackle. Here's, here's where we're going to go. How far is too far? I mean, if I'm a Christian, and what sin is too big a sin, or how many sins add up to too many sins, that God would finally say, look, you're just done, okay? You were in, but now you're out. You know, I mean, before you did that, you know, I could have probably overlooked it, but now you, you crossed, and no, you're, you're just, you're not, you can't go to heaven behaving that way. What does that look like? So, for instance, let's just, let, let's say, let's say that Ted Bundy becomes a Christian when he's nine. He's sitting in a Sunday school class, hears the teacher teach, gets down on his knees, asks Jesus Christ to come in his heart, becomes a Christian at nine. And then he goes out after nine, and we would call it backsliding, and he becomes Ted Bundy. Does Ted Bundy still go to heaven? Not a great question. So, we're going to do, we're going to do a survey. How many people say, I'm, I'm not sure Ted Bundy is going to be sitting in heaven with the rest of us? Okay, got a couple people. All right. How about a murderer? If a person, you know, becomes a Christian, goes out and murders, does a person who is capable of murdering still make it to heaven? How many say, I, I, I'm not sure murderers make it to heaven? Okay, a couple of them. All right. What about suicide? Because, I mean, think about it. Suicide, you're murdering yourself. You never have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness because the last thing you did was murder yourself. How many people go, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure suicide people get to heaven? Okay, all right. What about child molesters? Became a Christian, they were 14 years old, youth group camp, then they became a child molester. How many people go, I'm, I'm not sure child molesters are going to be in heaven with us, okay? What about adultery? Can, can you stand in front of God and, and before witnesses swear a covenant to one another, and then if you go out and commit adultery, do adulterers make it to heaven? How many go, I'm not sure adulterers make it to heaven? Okay, we let all the adulterers in. That's good. Some of us are going, whew, man, all right, all right. All right, you're okay. You, you made the line. Uh, what, what, if, what if you produce child porn? In other words, you're one of those people, you, you solicit children into it, you do the filming, you sell child porn on the… Do, do people who produce child porn, do they make it to heaven and go, I, I don't think people who do child porn make it to heaven? Okay. 
If they do, it's a really hot spot in heaven. I, and, all right. What, what if you steal a million dollars? Can you go to heaven if you steal a million dollars? How many say, I, I think you could steal a million dollars? How many say, no, you steal a million dollars, you don't go to heaven? How many say, I don't, I don't think million dollar thieves? 999,000, they would have gone, but million. All right. What if you steal a million dollars from an orphanage? Okay, so here's the deal. Today as we do this, I, I think the answer is going to be interesting for us. And I believe that when, you ready for this? That when you and I are surprised at the answer, but once we let it sink in, it has the power to forever change our relationship with God. So let's go. It's Ephesians chapter 1. If you're not real familiar, go to the back of your Bible. Work to the left. You're going to find this book of Ephesians. If you've gone to Genesis, you went too far. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, here's what it says. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed. So here, Here's the deal. He's saying, look, look, now this is a legitimate decision. In other words, there's a real bona fide thing happening here. He says, you were included in Christ. You were, you were brought in when you heard the gospel, which is simply this. Look, we've all sinned. We've all, we've all got stuff in our life, and I need a Savior. And this isn't about how many times I go to church. This isn't about whether or not mom and dad baptized me when I was a baby. I'm a sinner. I'm a person who's made my own decisions, and some of them have been bad, and I need a Savior. And then Scripture says, and you believed, you believed that enough to ask Jesus to save you from your sins. And he says, when you did that, you were included. You were brought into the kingdom, okay? So this is a legitimate decision that's happened here. Let's go back, verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, and ready, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's. Some of us are going, well, okay, Lynn, I, but I'm not sure how that applies. I mean, why, why, what does that have to do with whether or not I can cross a line, I can go too far, and still go to heaven. What? Okay. First clue, the word inheritance. Inheritance. Because here's the question you've got to answer. Who gets inheritances? It's an, it's an interesting question. I was, matter of fact, this last week, uh, I was sitting down at lunch with my dad, kind of talking this through. See, uh, my dad had set up for all of the kids... Um, this irrevocable trust, and uh, it was there so that uh, as it accumulated money, when we finally came down to the time when, when he had passed away and all the inheritance tax would be covered by the trust. Well, all of a sudden, I stopped getting the little form that says, hey, this trust is there in your name, and uh, month after month after month, and I'm not getting the form anymore. So, Last week, I said, Dad, you know, I said, I feel a little awkward asking this because, I mean, at the end of the day, your money is your money, and, and what you do with it is 
your decision to do, but I haven't been getting the form for months now, and I was just want you know, did something change? You know? Did I say something I shouldn't have said? You know, I just kind of wondering here. And my dad goes, no, 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 no. We, we found a way that was more effective and made more sense, and we just kind of moved, you know, this over, and, and, but it, it, it still had me. No, 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 you're, you're, you're in. You're in, son. You're in. And going quarter. And I, I, I said, I'm, I'm okay, Daddy. You know, honestly, I was asking more out of curiosity. I was just trying to make sure that, you know. And he goes, no, Lynn, I'm telling you, you're in. Matter of fact, he says, I'm going to send you a copy of all the paperwork. And I'm like, no, Dad, no, no, it just feels weird. I, I just, I, I, honestly, it was, I was just asking. He says, no, 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 when I get home, I'm sending you a certified letter with a copy of all the, and I go, Dad, no, it's just weird. He goes, no, 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 I want you to know you're in. That's this passage. This passage is God saying to you and me, I'm going to send you a copy of the paperwork because I want you to know you're in. And I don't want you to go through life doubting this. I don't want you to be confused about this. I want you to know you're in. Because you ready? Because you have an inheritance coming. What's the inheritance of a Christian? What's the inheritance of a Christian? Heaven. Heaven. And in this moment, God is saying, look, look, here's, here's what you need to know. You're in because you're in the family. And to be in the family means you're in the inheritance. Matter of fact, um, I'll, I'll read a verse to you. You don't have to go over there with me, but you can watch it on the screen. It's, it's Romans chapter 8. Uh, verse 14, here's what it says about this. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, so get this moment. When you and I become Christians, God places the Holy Spirit inside of us. See, this is why, for any of us who've legitimately made that decision, sin tastes different now. Have you noticed that? that? That after you became a believer, it wasn't that sin didn't taste good, it just didn't taste as good. And, and whenever you did something you knew that dishonored God, and it bothered you worse than it ever did back before Jesus. And now you do this, and you're going, oh, man. Well, that's the Spirit. That's God's Holy Spirit living inside of you, changing you from the inside out. And every single person who's ever made a legitimate, serious decision about a Savior, God says, I placed my Spirit inside of you, and you were changed. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. How many of the women in the room are going, okay, it said sons. Where was the daughter's part? You didn't want it to say daughters. Here's why. In this time and in this culture, daughters didn't receive the inheritance. Only sons got a portion. The reality is this passage is revolutionary to every person who read it in that time because here's what God is saying. Everyone who believes on Jesus, whether they're male or female, 
receives a son's portion of the inheritance. And they would have been flabbergasted. They would have said that's unheard of. And actually, this is an unbelievably powerful passage of equality. And he says, no, 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 no. All of, all of the gals, you receive the son's portion also. It's a cool passage. But you get what he says. He says, here's what happened. When you became a believer, I made you a son with full rights to the inheritance. So stop and think with me now. How far does your child have to go before they're not your child anymore? Because remember, as God said, to become a Christian is to become a child of God, to become a son or a daughter. How far does your child have to go till they're not your child anymore? Let, let, let's imagine the worst. Your 70, your 70, your 17 year old daughter begins to date Ugg. Now, we call him Ugg because that's the only thing that's ever come out of his mouth. Ugh. Okay? And she's dating Ugg. Ugg is a member of the Hell's Angels. And one day, your 17-year-old daughter comes to you and announces, I'm going on the road with Ugg. Hops on the motorcycle, takes off. We're going to live on love. Your daughter begins to do everything. Everything that a parent ever hoped their daughter would never do. She's doing heroin. She's prostituting herself. On what day does she stop being your daughter? And isn't the answer there is no such day? Isn't the answer that no matter what she's involved in and no matter what she's doing with Ugg, you wake up every morning looking at the door waiting for your daughter to come home? You get that's exactly what Jesus just said. That's what Scripture just said. You and I were made sons and daughters, and God doesn't throw away sons or daughters. From the family. And just so that in case one of us goes, well, but wait a minute, and come on, and I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, couldn't I be bad enough? He says, no, no, no. Let me give you two examples to tell you how serious I am about this, that you can't leave the family once you're in. So go back with me to Ephesians, back to chapter 1. Here's what it says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, and get ready, here are the two examples, you were marked with him with a seal, example number one, and a deposit, example number two, guaranteeing our inheritance, which is heaven. So here's the examples. It says, number one, it says, first thing, you were sealed into this. So at the time... You're writing a letter back in those days. You'd take your letter, and because you didn't have postage stamps and you didn't have self-adhesive, instead you'd take wax, and you'd melt it down, and then you would seal the letter. And 
And somebody goes, well, Lynn, that's kind of my point, because, I mean, it's, it's wax, so you could just, like, rip that open. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The most important part of the seal was not the wax. Because then, whoever had written the letter would take his ring, and he would place it in the wax to leave his mark. And here's what he was saying in that moment. Don't you dare open this letter. This letter is going to get where it belongs. And so if you were on the highway and you got bushwhacked, and all of a sudden here came the robber, and he looks at the letter, he looks at the seal. And if he looks on there and he goes, oh, that's, a, that, that's the blacksmith seal. Well, he might rip it open because, I mean, what's the blacksmith going to do to me? You take a look at the letter, and it's the king's seal. You know what he just said is, open this letter, and every bit of the might, every bit of the strength, every bit of the power of the king is going to come against you. You will pay for opening that letter. Here's the illustration. God said, when you became a Christian, I sealed you, and I put my signet on you. And here's what I said. Nobody and no thing can keep you from heaven unless they're stronger than me. The seal can't be broken. Second illustration, he says, I gave you, I gave you the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing that you would get to heaven. How many of you have ever given a deposit for something? Okay, two of us. All right. Apparently, you've got very trusting friends. All right. So, who's got a watch? Anybody got a watch in the room? Anybody got a watch in the room they kind of like? All right. Okay. All right. Come on. What's your name? Mark. Mark, you got a watch you like? All right. Hey, that's a cool watch, man. Is that a fossil? No? Okay. Better. All right. So how much do you figure this watch is worth? 20 bucks. Okay. 20 bucks. So do you trust me to give you back this watch at the end of the service? Okay. Go sit down. No, wait, 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 wait. All right. Here, here's what I'm going to do. Just, just to be sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm, here's 100 bucks. Okay. So here's the deal. I don't give you back the watch. You keep the 100 bucks. We're cool? All right. Hey, you're doing pretty good. Wait, 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 wait. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to give you this watch back. So I'm going to give you an outrageous deposit. Okay? All right. So there's another hundred and another hundred and another hundred and another. Okay? So 500 bucks, I'll give you back your $20 watch. Okay? Yeah. There, I'll take your shoes too. Yeah. No. All right. So I guess... How confident are you that I'm giving you back your watch? I'm very confident. You're very confident. And if I don't, you're buying 20 watches, right? All right, so go sit down. You get God did that. That when you and I became Christians, he placed an outrageous deposit on account with us. Scripture says it was the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, think about this a second. You've got to put on your thinking caps with me. God said, look, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, which if last time I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit is God. And God said, here's how serious you know I am about giving you heaven. I'm going to leave on deposit with you the Holy Spirit. So if I don't give you heaven, you ready for this? You get to repossess the Holy Spirit, which is me which means God would be your indentured servant if he didn't give you heaven. 
What do you think the chances are that God is ever going to be your slave? And he says, that's how ridiculously confident I wanted you to be in knowing that once you accept me, once you come in the family, you're going to go to heaven. Okay, I know some in the room, some in the room are still, some are going, wow, wait, 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 I'm not sure. Okay, so let me see if this helps. When God forgave your sins, how many sins did he forgive? All of them. Matter of fact, when Jesus hangs on the cross, how many of mankind's sins were placed on that cross? All of them. All of them. Every sin that every human would ever commit was placed on that cross, which means, you ready for this? Abraham, who lived before the cross, all of his sins got placed on the cross. Moses, who lived before the cross, all of his sins got placed on the cross. David, King David, who lived before the cross, all of his sins got placed on the cross. But you want to hear something really cool? The Apostle Paul, who lived after the cross, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked forward and saw the Apostle Paul and died for every sin, even the murder, that the Apostle Paul would commit, and he placed him on the cross that day. He looked forward and saw Napoleon and placed all of Napoleon's sins on the cross. You ready for this? He looked forward and he saw Hitler and he placed all of Hitler's sins on the cross. You say, well, then you're trying to tell me Hitler's going to... I don't know. But if Hitler's not in heaven, it's not because Jesus wasn't willing to forgive, and it's not because of the sin. It's because he never asked him to be his Savior. And as best you and I can tell, he never did. And if Hitler doesn't make it to heaven, it's not because Jesus didn't love him and not because Jesus didn't die for him. It's because he never asked you want to hear a better part of the story? When Jesus was on that cross, he looked forward and he saw you. And he saw every single sin that you would ever commit, all the ones you committed when you were six, and all the ones you committed when you were 18 and dating, and all the ones you're going to commit when you're 80. And he placed on that day every one of your sins on the cross so that when you got on your knees, and I don't know when you got on your knees. I don't know if you got on your knees when you were six. I don't know if you got on your knees when you were 16 or 40. I don't know when you did. But on the day you got on your knees and said, I need a Savior, guess how many of your sins he forgave that day? All of them. All of them. Which means there is nothing left that you can do that's not under the blood of Jesus and forgiven because they all went to the cross, even what you haven't done yet. Now, there's one person in the room right now who's going, so you're saying. <laughs> if you're telling me, Lynn, that there's, I mean, I can do anything, I mean, you're telling me now that I'm a Christian, I've got my fire escape done. And I mean, you're just telling me, I could live like the devil. I could, do, I could do anything and I still get to go to heaven. This is pretty cool. And you can't wait to get to the parking lot. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. In theory, 
Yeah. Impracticality? No. Here's why. Because if it ever sinks into your heart what it was that God did the moment he made you and I sons and daughters, you'll never be the same. How many of you have seen the movie Prince of Persia? Okay. It's a, it's a movie that's out right now. It's based on a video game, deeply theological. Beginning of the movie, there's a, there's a beggar boy by the name of Dastan. He's an orphan, and he spends every day in the marketplace just trying to make life work, doing whatever he has to do to survive to the next day. One day, the king comes riding with his entourage through the marketplace. And lo and behold, in that moment, the king looks down, sees Dastan, and says, bring me that boy. Yeah, that one, the dirty, scruffy one. And he says to his men, take him to the palace, and from this day forward, he is a prince of Persia. He's my son. It's interesting because as the story unfolds with Dastan, you get the sense that there's not a meal that he sits down to in the king's palace, eating the king's food, that he doesn't remember scraping the dirt off the scraps he picked up in the market. And he's thankful. You get the sense that when he lays down his head on the bed at night and he's in this incredible soft, cushiony mattress that he doesn't remember sleeping in the alley. He speaks, and men listen because now he's the prince. And it's interesting, anytime his father says, hey, look, I've got this assignment, and it's not a very good assignment, it's kind of a crummy assignment, Dastan is the first guy to go, I'll do it. Dad, I'll do it. Why? Because he's never forgotten that he was an orphan, that he was a beggar, and that one day the king came and made him a son, which is you, which is me. And guys, when this sinks in, when you and I settle in the moment that the king, that God came and said, son, 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 how do you and I not live every single moment remembering that we were orphans? And when you and I do, I mean, when that sinks in over your heart, please, please, please tell me that the next time God says to you, here's what I need you to do, and you and I look at Scripture and we go, oh, man, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. I was hoping you wouldn't. Please tell me you and I will never say that out of our mouths. Because out of thankfulness, out of the mouth of orphans who've been made princes, you and I would say there is nothing you could ask there's no assignment you could give because I will spend the rest of my life showing you how thankful I am to be your child. And when that settles in, see, when that settles in, you and I will serve, won't we? Because we'll say, I, I, I would serve in your palace as a servant. 
and you made me a child. See, and when, when that settles in, we'd say, you want my money? You can have any of my money. You want me to obey? Because I'm an orphan who got made a child of the king. And that changes everything. Let's bow our heads. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I just want you to take a moment and ask yourself, how should someone like me respond to a God who takes orphans and makes them his children? And, and is there an area of my life in which I have been just saying, no, 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 no. I'm not, I know what your Bible says. I know what Scripture says. I'm not going to do that. And if you and I were grateful, wouldn't our answer be instead, I'll never make you ask twice. See, all of a sudden, those private sins, all of a sudden, my selfishness and my pride and my desire to gossip and my pornography, it doesn't look the same anymore, does it? If I'm living like a son. who used to be an orphan. And if this sinks in, you and I will be forever changed. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come before you and we just want to say thank you. Thank you that this isn't about fear. See, we, we don't live in a moment that you're going to somehow throw us back out of the family, that you're going to say that was too much and you crossed the line and you're gone. And then instead, you invited us to serve you out of appreciation and love, to never forget that beggars were made sons. And God, we will. There is nothing you could ask. There is no request you could make that we don't want to run to the front of the line and say, I'll do it. Because I'm the orphan you brought home. And God, may we live lives from this moment forward that everything we do speaks of our thankfulness to you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.